Hillipitch Anselmo here with the Rock and Metal Podcast. Philippe Anselmo with the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Well, all right, here we are back again discussing Paul Diano, Iron Maiden with... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That's my, that's my, that's my heaven's on fire. Right. <laughs> and that cackling faggot you hear there is Greg Barnes. Hi, Greg. Hi, how is everybody doing? Oh, my God. You can just see rainbows flying out of that mouth, can you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good at that. I practiced that ability, and I've got all the colors in this rainbow finalized. Fact! Right now, I, I see a unicorn crying, a single tear saying, we got to find a new mascot. <laughs> I got thrown out of that club a long time ago. I'm on my own right now. Uh, a lonely homo. Yeah. I'm dealing with it. Yeah, I know. A- anyway, uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Paul Viano, and yes, we're going to review Killers, but... You know what we didn't do last week, guys? We didn't talk about the bonus shit from the first album. So I think we should talk about that before we go into Killers. What do you say? I'm all for it. Ian? All right. All right, dude. (laughs) All right, so uh, the first song I want to discuss, which is the only... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the only studio track that's a bonus track, is uh, Burning Ambition. Yes. Am I right? Is that the only one? Yes. Because I think the rest are live B-sides. Uh, wait a minute. Is, is Sanctuary uh, No, we were... Uh, no, but but it's, on, it's on the bonus reissue, because that wasn't on the original album. Well, uh, we're, we're going to have to skip that one, because I'm not too aware of it. All I know... Let's talk about the two songs that aren't on the first album. And the first one is Burning Ambitions. Uh, what do you think of it, Ian? Absolutely amazing. One of my favorite Paul Diano tracks of all time. Should have been on the album. Uh, is it an original? Uh, I, I don't know. They don't, they don't, uh, I believe so. They don't show a writer on it. Well, uh, I happen to, to fucking love the fuck out of this song, but I do understand why it's not on the first album because it doesn't sound like the first album. It would have stuck out like a sore thumb, but it's an amazing B-side. If there's ever going to be a really kick-ass B-side, it should be shit like that doesn't sound like songs from that album that it's uh, recorded during that session. And yeah, I would have to say uh, Burning Ambition is fucking awesome. What do you think, uh, Greg? Oh, I absolutely love Burning Ambition. And I, t- I totally dig it. And it, it's, a, it's a great song. And I love Deanna's performance. Yeah. All right, then the next one is a live version of the Montrose song, I've Got the Fire. Um, I think it's rip-roaring, and I actually enjoy it more than the Montrose version. And I'm not saying that because Sammy Hagar sang on the original version, because I am a big fan of the first Montrose sound, but I don't like Paper Money. The second Montrose sound is uh, 
is it, it, it's kind of shitty, which kind of like shows you the future of Sammy Hagar. What do you think of uh, of I Got the Fire, the live version with Paul Diano, Greg Barnes? I, th- I think it's awesome. I haven't heard the original, and it sounds like I shouldn't hear it because it sucks. But uh, I dig the Maiden version, and there's so many great live versions of this song that you could just pull up right on YouTube, listen to it. I love Maiden's uh, take on it. It's it's great. And they and, and they recorded it studio-wise with Bruce Dickinson. Yes. I believe, was it for Peace of Mind? I can't remember. Uh, it was. It was. It was definitely. It was definitely one of the first albums that you know he was that he was with the band. I'm. I'm pretty sure it was Peace of Mind. I got the fire and Crosside Mary were the B sides for. Yes, you're right. Yes. Uh, Ian. Uh, I refuse to listen to this fucking piece of shit. But <laughs> I am glad that uh, finally, after 40 years of writing Ronnie Montrose weekly to blow his fucking head off for introducing. Uh, Sammy Hagar to the world, he finally did. It worked too, man. Yeah, hey, the it po- worked. The po- the you know, people say, yeah. "Yeah, chain letters, dude." Yeah, don't give up. It works. <laughs> All right, so I think that covers it. I mean, they did a live version of of Phantom of the Opera, which we already talked about, and also uh, Sanctuary, which I was not aware of. Ian brought that to my attention, and I don't recall how it is, but it doesn't matter. We already talked about those songs. Now. Let's go into the second amazing Iron Maiden album. And boy, am I going to lather the ass of this one. Killers, released in 1981. Uh, yeah, I first got this, I would say, probably around 87, 88. And this was definitely a grower for me. At first, I don't know, I just didn't get it. The, the first Diano, uh, I got it right off the bat. Everything made sense. Yeah, it's awesome. The only one that was a grower was... Uh, Phantom of the Opera, but this one took some time, but then when it finally sunk in, I realized what I'm going to beat into your head, Ralph, by the end of this episode, is this is the greatest Iron Maiden album ever recorded. Doesn't matter who's singing, this is the greatest Iron Maiden album, and I'm going to show you why when we get into it track by track, but uh, you used to have that uh, opinion, and... uh, you know, I know you're heavily influenced by unpopular metal opinions, but I'm going to bring you back to the dark side that is Killers. All right, cool. Greg? I first heard Killers uh, about two years ago, and it was right after I purchased the first album, and then the second album came to me. And so I'm like, oh, I'm ready to hear this, because I got used to the first album, and I'm like, okay, this is what Diano sounds like. Let's see what Killers sounds like. So I put it in, and... And for me, I loved it right off the bat. Very first listen, I'm like, all right, this is great. You know, the production is better. First album with Martin Birch. And, you know, not that I had a problem with the first album's production, but this one just sounded better. And it's like everything was, it was like, up. it was an upgrade. Uh, Paul Diano sounded stronger on this album. You know, voice was a little bit more daring, higher melody lines, just crazy fucking good singing on this album uh adrian's first album dennis stratton was booted out due to musical and personal differences so adrian's in there with with dave murray and it starts the classic you know iron maiden duo and uh clive is still with them so that'll make that'll make some people really happy 
And and then you have uh, Steve Harris purchasing his new pony for the studio, galloping away. But it sounds great on this album. Uh, but um, but yeah, I I got the album, loved it on the first listen, and I still love it to this day. This is one of three Iron Maiden albums that I that I have to start at the very first song and play it through to the beginning. I can't just pick a random song. I love this album, adore it. It is one of the best albums they've done and it's it's just amazing amazing work that this album is how about you ralph all right my mine is a very extremely interesting story how i first heard this album um i used to have a friend that had a tree house check out this tree house he had a tree house that had a long extension cord like going from the tree to his house that that would plug into the electricity like he had an air conditioner a stereo system and it was a treehouse so small you couldn't stand up in there. You had to like crawl in and you know, you had to sit down. You couldn't, it was too short to stand up in. And we were drinking a lot of tall boys and I was very young. This is 19, this is the summer of 1981. When did the sound came out in 1981? It must have been uh, fucking February. Okay, then it might have not been summer because I know this album was brand spanking new because we're in his treehouse listening to radio because back then believe it or not radio kicked ass and they played Rothschild and I, rem I remember this vividly even though I was so drunk uh, we were listening to the radio and then the, the DJ said alright blah 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 you just heard Bob Seger you know uh, she loves to strut or whatever you know it's one of those songs and uh, we'll be back with brand new Iron Maiden and believe me at that time Iron Maiden was still obscure like only thus metalheads knew it, and I was like, oh shit, they're gonna play Iron Maiden, thinking they were gonna play like Running Free or something. Because I still thought like, oh no, they ain't got a new album. I, I, I was really up to date with metal magazines then. So, when they came back, they played Wrathchild. And I was like, oh my lord, holy fuck. And it got me so pumped up that I drank way too much, and I got dizzy. And I walk, and this guy lived about three blocks from my house, and I'm not lying to you. Back then, I don't know if your neighborhood was like this, but everybody's house had a little section in the lawn where they would not not trash cans actually. They would just pile up garbage in front of people's houses, and the, the garbage man would come and pick it up. I don't know how with shovels or something. And while I was walking home, I got sick, and I was like responsible enough to throw up on piles of garbage on the way home. I would go up to those piles and just puke my fucking brains out. And uh, then I got went home, passed out. I went out and I bought Killers. I remember it wasn't hard to find, believe it or not. Same store I bought first Iron Maiden at Specs and West Uh To this day, greatest Iron Maiden album cover. I love the back album. I love that picture of Deano in the little boxes. It just looks so menacing. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to go home and hear this, you know? And yeah, man, when I went home and dropped the needle on track one, the idea, the Ides of March, my God, I got to say this right now, the greatest intro to any Iron Maiden album. It's an epic short instrumental rapid fire bass lines with this amazing drumming of Clyde Burr. This tight, badass rhythm section to some really tasty solos. I mean, the tastiest guitar, dual guitar Maiden has ever put down on tape. 
is featured in this little short intro of the song. Fucking love it. What do you think, Ray? Absolutely love that introduction. It's, you know, and, and it kind of gives you a, a sense of like a different direction that Maiden was going into. It's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more progressive, still very heavy, no doubt. A little bit more progressive, a little more daring, uh, more gutsy. Uh, it, it just gels so well, this, this you know, new, you know, updated lineup here. It, it, it's just an instrumental. It just, everything just sounds so good about this. You know, the guitars are great, the, the bass shines, the drum, Clive is awesome. It's, it's a great instrumental, and I can't listen to Killers without hearing that Ides of March instrumental, because what a way to start the album off. How about you, Ian? Before you say anything, Ian, just want to make sure you're both recording, right? Yes. Ian? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, Ian, what do you think of the Ides of March? Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Uh... I incorrectly on the last episode uh, referred to Genghis Khan as like the intro. What I meant was Ides of March. Uh, a perfect intro. And yeah, it is the perfect guitar sound because as much as I love Dennis Strat, the perfect guitar duo is fucking Murray and Smith. For Maiden. I'm not saying they're better than Tipton and Downing. I'm saying for Maiden, the best is Smith and Murray. And this is absolutely amazing sets the whole mood you know right away that this sounds miles above the first album and again i am not bitching about the production on the first album but this is miles and miles ahead of it you know it, it it's like going from like a fucking you know a punk record to a pink floyd record it is that like precise without losing any of the heaviness absolutely amazing and this song is a prime example why this is the greatest Iron Maiden record ever. All right, I Ian, love Ides of March. I would like to say you said right now uh, Smith, what is it? Smith and uh, Murray is the best Iron Maiden guitar duo uh, for Iron Maiden correct? Yes. Well I would have to say that I don't really disagree with you because I mean I don't agree with you but I don't really want to argue with you about it because they are both amazing. I'm just a little more uh, akin with Stratton and uh, Murray but I will say this if you ever said that to my face that Smith and and, and uh, Murray were better I'd have to introduce you to my Smith and Wesson. <laughs> yeah. Bring it. All right, Ratchild, what do you think, Ian? Ratchild, holy fucking shit, that bass. Oh my god. Top, top five maiden of all fucking time. Uh, absolutely flawless song. And I can understand, Ralph, maybe why you don't like this one as much as the first album, because this album is more metal. Hey! You really, really <laughs> got to be into the metal to get to the, There is none more metal Iron Maiden than Killers. This is their heaviest fucking album. And this song, what a way, I mean, to, to go from Ides of March to this is just, oh, man, one, two. That's like I smack you upside the head before you even reach your gun. You know, like, bam! Well, well Ian, child. Ian, I got to say, um... In your defense, uh, uh, Killers was my favorite Iron Maiden album, 
But I changed my mind, and oddly enough, coincidental, I changed my mind after I became an ABBA fan. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah it makes perfect sense. Perfect exactly. sense. Uh, Greg, what do you think of Rat Child? What a, what a great song, and this, it's my third favorite after the album. And it's it's just it's a, it's so good. I love that bass riff. That's one of my favorite bass riffs in, in Maiden. And this this song when I first heard it, it kind of gave me a little. It's very heavy, but it also gave me a slight kind of like Zeppelin vibe. You know, a whole lot of love. It kind of has that little, little bit of a Zeppelin-y kind of a feel to it. And I dig it. I totally love this song. The the Diano uh, whale in the middle is amazing. Hell yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Well, th that makes sense, because you're more into heavy metal than Ralph is. <laughs> so, I, I, I can get why you really like this song. And, and you love it because, uh, you know, uh, Steve Harris is holding down the bottom. And that's as a that's bo fucking right. And as a bottom, you like to be held down. Yeah, so I because it's a, great, it's a great feeling knowing that you're in great hands and protected. But the thing is, Wrath Child is such a great fucking song, you know? Protected by what, it. HIV? Hey, you know, I, 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 tell, I tell you, it has been doing me a blessing. It has been doing me favors. It's been getting me into shape. I've lost weight already, and it's weight I didn't even need. So, there you go. It, it's fucking good. All right, all right. I love Wrath Child. Wrath Child is epic. Epic bass and drum intro. Simply effective, band crushes in, pure street gang attitude ridden vocal driving it to the point. That is fucking rat child, man. Nobody, I mean nobody should sing this fucking song but fucking Diano. Short and to the point, something that Iron Maiden does not know how to do anymore. <laughs> it's just, an, it, 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 it gets the point across in what, three minutes? Less than three minutes. Yeah. Bam! Two, it's, well, two yeah. minutes and fifty-four seconds. That's right. That's all. That's how long it takes Greg to, to come when he has a cock up his ass. No, it takes <laughs> it takes two minutes and fifteen seconds, but close enough. All right, so. yeah, that's close. Anyway, I've been working on my technique. I gotta get. I gotta get under two minutes soon. You know, I gotta work on it. Well, uh, Ian, get on it. All right. I want some rolling rock cock. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some rolling cock, you son of a bitch. Thank uh, you. Murders in the Room Morgue is the next track. Nice little soft intro to a cool mid-tempo when the band kicks in. Then, that killer drum roll by Clive Burr to usher in a pure rapid speed of everything that Maiden has lost, okay? Sporadic playing by the whole fucking band, especially those bass lines. Harris is out of control in this song. Just pay attention to Steve on this track. Burning so many frets like he has never done since. And that section before the solo, you know that little harmony solo thing? Just flawless new wave of British heavy metal that drives in the point why they were the fucking leaders of that movement. Murders in the Rumor, what a badass fucking song. Greg? I, I absolutely love this song. And a great point you brought up about the bass because I think this is, out of all the Maiden albums, I think this is Steve Harris's best album for his bass playing overall because 
it's it's more experimental, a little bit more you know progressive than the first album. But yeah, you know, but it's like it, it, there's so many great riffs. It's a perfect balance of of riffs, signature stuff, trying out new stuff all over the fretboard, catchy stuff, very melodic, smooth. It's it's awesome. That his, his bass playing is so great on this album, and I'm not taking away anything away from him, you know, nowadays or anything, because I still think he's great. But I I'm fucking saying, will. But I'm just saying, early on, like on this album, this is him at his prime, his potential, his peak. This is, you know, if you want Steve Harris's best playing, just look on this album in particular, because it shows all sides of his playing. Perfect. This song is awesome. Love, love the Paul Viano performance. Awesome, awesome control on the vocals, which improved from the first, and he maintained this fucking great voice for the next few years. But this album in particular, especially this song, awesome. Love it. Love the attitude. Great song. Dig it. Never get tired of it. How about you, Ralph? Ian. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Epic. Ferocious. Pure metal. Um, I, I, I can see why Ralph doesn't like this album as much as the first one. <laughs> because it's just too fucking heavy. It doesn't have as much medley, I'm sorry, melody as, as say, a Chinese democracy. Uh, this is just too heavy. There's no crying in baseball or in killers. Uh, man, this is just metal. I mean, just, oh, it, it's so heavy. It's heavier than what uh, uh, Priest was doing at the time. I mean, this shit's heavier than anything uh, Priest did, you know, you know, on British Steel or, uh, you know, uh, Point of Entry, and I love those albums, but this shit just buries it. I think they would really, you know, Priest would come back with their balls on Screaming for Vengeance, but this is just metal like a motherfucker. Ew. Oh, God. Uh, and, and, and just even the subject matter, you know, you know, you know, taking the Edgar Allan Poe story. I mean, just that alone is fucking metal. And and the and the bass, uh, you guys both brought up a great example. I mean, you always hear Steve Harris on every album, but this is more all over the place, unless you know just the gallop. This is all over, and he's and again, like you guys said, he's all over on this album. And it's the heaviest fucking Iron Maiden, and that's why it's the best fucking Iron Maiden. Love Murders in the Room War. Can I do a little bass thing vocally on this song? Yes, sure. Damn, awesome. Yeah, very metal. I'm starting to like this heavy metal thing. All right, Ian, why don't you take the next one? It's called Another Life. Another Life. Uh, man, I just love that Clive Burr intro, which is something Nico would never do. You know, that, you know, it's just, you know, I love Nico, but I mean, he kind of has been stuck in a rut for a long time where Clive Burr, you never knew what he was going to do, but you knew it was going to be incredible. And he really... I mean, he starts to get a little bit more respect nowadays, especially, you know, with, you know, his passing and the sickness and everything. But, man, he was he was forgotten so quickly by a lot of people after he was out of the band. But they need to go back and listen to those first three studio albums because 
He was absolutely amazing. And then fucking Steve with that bass. Fucking Paul Dano, you know. That's feeling that's inside of me, you know. Telling me to oh. stay away, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and again, uh, you know, maybe this is too heavy for you, Ralph, but... but <laughs> hey, come on, man, stop. For me... Fucker. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I mean, you want to talk about... I, I take nothing away from the first Iron Maiden album. Absolutely love it. But this album is light years ahead of it. It really is, as, as, as far as musicianship, songwriting, and heaviness. And heaviness. They would never do anything this heavy again. Not that they wouldn't do some great music, but this is the heaviest Iron Maiden ever was. Another life. Oh my God, I could hear it another fucking 20 times in a fucking row. Absolutely incredible. And again, that's why this is the greatest Iron Maiden album ever. Greg Barnes, what do you think of Another Life? What I think is why some people don't like the song, because I swear, I read somewhere people were calling this filler, but I'm like, whoa, this is a good song. Yeah, you're like, if this is filler, fill me up. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm running on full right now. But still, Another Life is uh, is awesome. I Like you said, I love the introduction. And I just love that groove Clive does throughout the song, and the and with the with the bass on it. The rhythm section is absolutely amazing. Well, on this whole album, but this song in particular is just there's a groove to it. There's a heaviness to it. I love it. Diano sounds awesome on it. It's a great song. It's a you know concert staple of the early days, and 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 you know Clive would do this awesome drum solo too in the live environment and. It's a, this song is is awesome. I actually think that it's the most underrated song off of the album, and really, it, it needs more respect. I love Another Life. How about you, Ralph? Yep. Again, no letting up. Killer drum roll into that crazy metallic jam with Paul singing a verse so infectious that it would be a fucking crime if he didn't repeat that verse again and again, as he does. As I lay here lying in my bed, sweet voices coming to my head. Dude, a song for living in the moment. An amazing message to a young metalhead like myself, believe it or not, Ian, to enjoy life. And to this day, I live this fucking attitude. Fuck tomorrow. Then it, the changes it does, it, it remains fast as fuck with that badass bass line before that tasty solo. And then back into that verse for the third time, repeating the same fucking line. I fucking adore this slab of pure, unadulterated iron fucking maiden. Up the irons up. You know what it is? This song, it ups the iron up the ass of the seventh son of the seventh son. Fuck that shit. This is fucking Iron Maiden. Thank you. I love that performance. Love the notes you hit. Thank you. And I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, ass and iron because that makes gets off on me. I love that. But, um, but yeah, thank you for that little uh, indirect little reference to me there. Up the eye, yeah, because you're the seventh son of the seventh son. That's right. You know, what? and I am proud to stay say that. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are a little, you know, they're ashamed about their place in society and what they are. But I am not. Yeah. I, I love being the seventh son of the seventh son, and I don't mind having up the irons up the ass because it feels so fucking good, you know? All right, next song. <laughs> next song. 
All right, should I start this one? Yeah, go ahead. All right, Genghis Khan, the instrumental. Uh, two minutes and 12 seconds in queue, caught somewhere in time. Now I know where that ripped that off. But still, this is a great instrumental. I, I love this one. This really showcases, you know, the, the skill of all the all the band members here. You have the great Clive Burke, great groove, the little souls, love the fills, the great guitar work. They, they just gel perfectly. And it, and it's a it's a great little instrumental and it's kind of like a little bit a little bit of a breather here you know from the epicness of the previous few songs you know and you know get you ready for some more stuff later on so yeah I, you know this, this little bit of a breathing room song but I love it it's a great instrumental and yeah two minutes twelve seconds into this track caught somewhere back in time makes its first appearance how about you Ralph uh yeah a badass instrumental just as badass as Transylvania. I remember educating some ass clown back in the day on a message board uh, that said, you know, there was a little poll, who's better, Nico or or Clive? And then I said Clive, and the guy said, you're fucking crazy, dude. Clive Burke is is uh, overrated. He's nowhere near as good as fucking Nico. And dude, I put a fucking link to another life. And I didn't fight with the guy. I go, dude, just listen to this and tell me if this guy's not overrated or not. And, uh, you know, and fucking, uh, this ass clown could not deny it. He was like, dude, this was amazing. He wised up and woke up to the greatness of that freak of nature on drums. Clive owns this song, where it's, it's not, it's just, you know, there, here's this fucking guy surrounded by a bunch of pissed off, insane musicians that are just holding their own and doing like some of their greatest performances ever and Clive Bird not even eclipses them, which is not easy to do because everybody on this instrumental is on. Just fucking amazing. What do you think, Metalhead? Oh, man. I fucking love this one. Now, this one, I think, is toe-to-toe with Transylvania. And I believe, you know, nothing against Lost for Words. I love Lost for Words. But Lost for Words does not stand up to Transylvania or Genghis Khan. Fact! And, and, and I agree. And, 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 I, and I love Ides of March, but where Ides of March uh, is perfect and is, is more of an intro, Transylvania and Genghis Khan are more, you know, just flushed out songs. They're tracks. That, yeah. that, that, that happen to be instrumentals. And it's just heavy as shit. I know it's probably a little bit too heavy for you, Ralph, but I really dig this fucking track. And uh, it, it is it is a great placement. Because I, I think it comes as unexpected. Like, 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 really, you would think, like, you know, with it starting out with an instrumental, you'd think it would be on the second side. But here it is, another one on the first side, but it's perfect. Uh, it has a great flow to it. And just another example of why this is the greatest Iron Maiden album ever. All right, listen up, you great white fucking loving faggot. You better stop with this fucking not metal bullshit because it's starting to be played out and really a fucking pissing me off. You know, if we're really going to go down the fucking list of who's a bigger metal fan, motherfucker, Stop with that shit. Believe me. I'm going to shoot my balls off. 
that's, oh, that's, that's my job. Come on. No, no, you suck my balls off. Yeah, do I do good? It's never going to happen, Greg. No, no, no. I'm not saying you're sucking mine. I'm saying I'm sucking yours. That's what I mean. It's never going to happen. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> okay, from uh, the, the, the superior metalhead to uh, the, the lesser metalhead, Ian, oh, I like later bluesy great white. Uh, what do you think of what do you think of Innocent Exile? Innocent Exile, holy shit, godlike that fucking riff. And Deano's vocals on this, uh, you know, something that Greg brought up, uh, like a transformation on this record, and and much more all over the place. The highs are higher, the lows are lower, and just everything is recorded better, you know. They say I killed a woman. I fucking love that shit, you know. And 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 you can Paul Diano like just he's that guy. Like you hear him in every song. Like you can see him as a guy that was framed for murder. He looks like the guy somebody's gonna frame for murder. But he's the innocent exile. I fucking love this shit. Uh, again, I mean, I really did. You, did you listen to this album today, Ralph? I sure did. Oh man, and 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 you still haven't changed your opinion, man. I listened to this shit three times today. I was All just right. like, there is no way, there's no way this is not the best Iron Maiden ever. And you know, well, let me let me just say this, okay? I'm gonna say this. Look, again, maybe it's because of the time, and as you know, Killers was my favorite album for the longest time. The reason why I switched back to the first Iron Maiden album, maybe nostalgia-wise, but it's not definitely not the musicianship. I will give you that. On this album, the musicianship is a hundred times better than the first album, definitely. Without a doubt, I gotta say, even better than Stratton. I think, you know, Stratton couldn't save the musicianship, which is the awesomeness of Killers. But I will I will say this, to make you further understand why I like Iron Maiden more. I like Iron Maiden more so, so little that it's the size of a, of a hair on top of Scott Ian's head. Okay, does that make more sense to you? It's like pretty much tied. Yes. Tied, but for nostalgic reasons, I'm gonna have to go with the first Maiden album, but dude, Killers is really, I can't say it's better, but I can't say it's worse. It's right there, dude. To, to me, it's like the Diano era is just one fucking solid metallic package that can't be fucked with. And that, you know, you stick that shit with fucking, it's like peanut butter and peanut butter. You know what I mean? It's the same shit. Maybe that peanut butter tastes a little sweeter. It's a little more complicated, but sweeter. But songs, the songs is what makes me like the first time I made more. But these songs are so fucking great that I think they're a little more intense, a little more sporadic, a little more crazy. But I, I gotta say, man, there's nothing I don't like about Killers. I love the fucking album. And one thing that you did educate me on, Ian, and I gotta say this, and dude, to me, Iron Maiden will never be as good as Judas Priest. But at this era, yes, I would have to say, and as much as I love British Steel and Point of Entry, those first two Iron Maiden albums are better. They are. And it's hard for me to say that because Judas Priest is better than Iron Maiden. I would always put him above Iron Maiden. But during 1980 and 81, Iron Maiden were better. Thank you. Uh, and I will talk about Innocent Exile. 
and it starts with that doo 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 that badass bass line to this funky groove that is so infectious and catchy with another example of verses that need to be repeated over and over again. A song someone who has been accused of crime he didn't do very much like Ian accusing me of not being a metalhead. <laughs> It's it's also like the same thing of, of accusing Steve Harris of being a great bass player during the Bruce years and avoiding, you know, of uh, uh, what he did during the piano years. Steve is a hundred fucking percent guilty of being a much better bass player during this era. Just pay attention what he does on this song as well and all before and after this album. This is Steve fucking Harris, not restricted before he was chained up to a bunch of galloping horses. It's a badass tune, Innocent Exile, <laughs> fucking rules. And you, and I gotta give a nod to that Made in Japan version. Not better, but just as good, thank you. And I'm right, glad, I'm glad, because, you know, um, Made in Japan is an EP, and, and it's so cool how they stuck to this one. Out of all the songs, you're gonna put a real deep track on Made in Japan, which is great. Instead of putting like you know, um, uh, a drifter, for instance, which was a staple, you know, of their lifestyle, they put Innocent Exile as well, and I can't be happier than that. Thank you, uh, Greg Barnes. Yes, this, this this is a great. I love this song. It, it's one that um, kind of grew on me more. Not that I didn't like it before, but I I like it a lot more now than I did. When I first heard the song, I again, it's one of those underrated, you know, like grower sleeper hit type songs that, you know, it takes a little while to grow on you, but once it does, it just sticks with you. It's awesome, and I love Innocent Exile, and it totally fits Paul. I mean, great, great singer. I mean, as I said before on, on the previous episode, you know, Paul Diano. May not be the you know prettiest of voices, and you know God knows what else, but his voice is so good. Metal I'm, is not supposed to be pretty. I know. But no, I know no, 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 Greg. I was talking to Ian, not you. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I was about to say, you know, it's like his voice is so good on these main records, especially this record, because his vocals are better on here. The singing is more daring. The highs are better voice a little bit fuller, more daring screams are better. And yeah, this is his best made now out of the two for the singing. And Paul would maintain this awesome, excellent voice on his next few releases, which I couldn't be happier with because I, I love his singing and his style. And, you know, he, he's like, you know, I like to, he's like the work, the, the voice that, like an everyman type voice, you know, like the working class, blue collar type voice. And you, he's a very relatable voice. And, you know, and I love Bruce. Don't get me wrong. I love Bruce. I love his singing, his range, everything I love. But, you know, they're, they're two totally different singers. And Paul fits this material so good. It's, it's just so, you know, you, I can't take anything away from Paul uh, in his prime. He, he was he was amazing. He was a f underrated singer. And this song in particular, I, I love it. Absolutely amazing. And All right, uh, it's great stuff. I'm going to flip the album over and pass it over to the guy that thinks Heading from a Heartbreak from Winger is a good song. 
<laughs> oh, I love that ballad. You are so mouthful. Oh, kid Killers, the title track. Holy fuck. Man, I mean, just when I hear this song, I just think about that. Yeah! Yeah! Oh my god, just that scream with that, you know, bass in the background. And. Man, I remember, like, right when I first got this album, and I was listening to it, like I said, still it was a grower, but, like, right after I got into it was when Geraldo Rivera did that Devil Worship special, and they played this song in, in, in the special, and I was like, oh my god, yes, Iron Maiden! It was so fucking awesome. Uh, th this one finally has a co-writing credit with Deano. Uh, almost all these stuff songs were written before the album with the exception of uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue and Prodigal Son were the only ones that you know they wrote around this time the rest were all older songs that they just didn't record for the first album uh, but this oh my god what an epic title track the bass I, I mean oh fuck heavy as fuck him I would love to see him well I, I kind of see what Ralph says like you really don't want anybody but Deanna to sing these but man how, how much would a would an Iron Maiden set list improve with the addition of like you know two or three of these you know take anything on this album I mean yeah they do do Wrathchild with with uh with Dickinson but you know take two or three of any of these other ones and add it to the Maiden set list and you will make all the true Maiden fans instantly fucking just come cream the jeans. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get any better than this, man. This is heavy as fuck. And again, a song like this and the heaviness and the flow of this is why I believe this is the superior record. Absolutely love Killers. What do you think, Greg Barnes? Awesome title track. Absolutely love this tune. Love the intensity of Paul Diano's singing, the, the the screams as you said, awesome, and it's it, it's it's awesome to hear this and the and the drumming by Clive in the middle where it goes into like the you know, the gallop on the drums is awesome. The riffs are awesome. Everybody's on the money. Excuse me while I take a drink here, but still, it's just like you know, it's one of the absolute best how Iron Maiden songs. How do you let that calm go down so smooth? Well, because I'm a fucking master, that's why. But still, uh, but it's a great song. I I love it. The harmonies are great. Everything about this song is great. Killers, what an awesome tune. One of my favorites off the album. How about you, Ralph? Yeah. Did you guys ever hear the B side of Bruce Dickinson singing this live? It's uh, uh, what? I believe it was uh, the um, Made in England. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on that album, the live video, but. It's a B-side, because I have it. I have this box set. It's called The First Ten Years. It's all the B-sides. Yeah. And there, there is a version of Bruce singing the song. It's fucking terrible. But, oh, um, yeah, because yeah, it's from Made in England. What do you and, think? And, and, uh, and also, Ian was saying, wouldn't it be great? Uh, there are three versions of this album sung by Bruce. There's Killers, Ratchild, and uh, Purgatory. Uh, Purgatory, you can see on YouTube, which is actually... From the very first show Bruce Dickinson ever sang with Iron Maiden, there's footage of him doing Purgatory. Uh, which oh no, I, I I know they've done it, but I'm no, saying I know, it. I know, I know, I know what you mean. Like if you add it to the cellar, I'm just saying there there are three tracks that I know of that Bruce sang. 
Oh no, I think he did Drifter. Yes, he did do Drifter too. Look. I believe so. Yes, he did because it's on the New York Palladium bootleg CD I have. That's an actual. You guys ever heard of the Old Boy label? Ah, uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, I have a bunch of Old Boy CDs that I bought at stores. It's boot, it's a bootleg company, and they released the live at the New York Palladium number of the B store. Fucking amazing. And, I think uh, I have that. Yeah, it's pretty good. But, all right, I'll talk about this song. Uh, yes, amazing with such an amazing buildup with some great sound coming out of those guitars. You know that that little, it's kind of like mellow. It's like, like a very, it's very low in the mix, but it's beautiful. And and yet it's mellow, but it makes sense with this killer bass and drum. You can tell it's gonna be a heavy metal song, With the, but it's those guitars, you cannot make those guitars any more better for a buildup. And you know, and that, that the, the the fucking rhythm section is like holding it down for dear life before it explodes into this badass heavy metal epic. This song contains my favorite Dave Murray solo. Oh my god, his solo on that song is so fucking killer. And uh, I'm a little confused uh, if you guys are aware of that Rainbow show. You know that that's on video. That yeah. that MTV actually aired back in the day. MTV had to check out this weekend. It was Heavy Metal Weekend at, on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday night, Rat, uh, Born Again, uh, uh, Ian Gillen, Crocus, and Iron Maiden. The first night. The second night, a full show of Flick of the Switch. Um, and they played the full Rainbow Show. Now, Paul Diano said that backstage of that show, he wrote those lyrics for Killers. And if you listen to the lyrics on Killers on that, it's 100% different. You know, it's not the same lyrics. So yeah. I guess that Rainbow performance was done before that album was recorded. Uh, yeah, but, because because the Rainbow performance you're talking about, that, um, that show was actually late 1980, like the last, I think it was the last week of December. So there you go. Yeah, and, and I mean, as far as I know, I don't know what else was played. Rapchild and uh, Killers were played on that show, but of course it's an edited version, so who knows what else they threw out that night. But oh my God, what an amazing, amazing fucking song. Great guitar work, that, that crazy sound they do in the guitar during the, the little before verses shit. And again, that solo, my God, Dave Murray never, ever did a solo. And I remember back in the day in a magazine interview what Dave Murray said during I think it was around Peace of Mind saying that's his favorite guitar solo, and I still say it is. And uh, I love this song. All right, let me take the next one. It's called Twilight Zone. More of a swinging song, kind of different vibe from some killer, you know, but it has this killer vocal melody that I adore. That, can't you see me? Oh, oh, oh. You know, goddamn, dude. Very maiden, you know, uh, with them trying to be somewhat commercial, but they failed because they were just too fucking metal for that nonsense. It is a crushing tune. Paul shines on this one uh, with the, with that pure attitude. That Paul's voice is so tough. It sounded like he is the reason Eddie became a corpse. You know, he fucking killed, killed with that fucking voice. It's just such a, there's such a, a, a vagrant fucking attitude to his voice on Twilight Zone, on this whole fucking album. 
Uh, he just kills it, man. I love this fucking song. Twilight Zone. And oddly enough, it was a single. Weird, huh? Yes. All right, uh, Ian, what do you think of Twilight Zone? Uh, fucking love this song. And this this was only on the American and the Canadian release of the album. It I wasn't on the that. UK. Yeah. But, the, I mean, just to show you how weird things worked back then, and it was much more single-oriented, uh, this was the first single from the album, even though it didn't make the album. Um, but uh, they, they recorded the song, I believe, after, and, but said it was so strong, uh, you know, that they wanted it out. And what I love about it, I mean, it's just pure molten metal, and I love the rapid-fire delivery of the lyrics, you know? Yeah. She lays in bed at night, that's when I make my call, but when she stands to me, she can't see nothing at all. You know, I no love shit. that shit. He says shit, right? Can't take no shit. What's up? I think it sounds like he says <laughs> shit, right? I can't no, take no uh, shit right now. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, I, yeah, I love this fucking track. Um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's I didn't realize, like, because uh, I have, like, you know, the CDs, and then I have stuff I got online, and I remember uh, somebody on my radio show made a request for this, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So I go to my killers, and I was like, what the fuck? It's not on there. And I'm like, what the? And then I realized that my digital copy was was the UK version. It wasn't the American. And luckily, I've got the, uh, you know, that same box set you were talking about the uh, first 10 years, and it's on that. I was like, oh, fuck. That's when I realized it wasn't on the original uh, uh, UK pressing. But uh, yeah, what a what a great song! This is the one that's got a co-write with Dave Murray. And uh, one, one thing I wanted to throw to you, uh, you know, Ralph, like you always say, like you don't have that great ear for production, yes, like a lot like a lot of other people do. And I'm real weird in bands that have two guitar players. Uh, a lot of times, I don't know who's playing what. Uh, you know, Priest, if, if you, I mean, I know you know Ralph, but I don't know if, if Greg knows. But Judas Priest used to write in the liner notes, like what break was Glenn, yeah. what break was KK. Yeah. Uh, Maiden didn't do that. And when you say, like, you know, uh, you know, on, on the previous song, Dave Murray, that's your favorite solo, he did. Did, did you know that from ear? No. Or is that just by watching no. performance? No, from the Rainbow Show. Okay, okay. No, I, I was just curious. Because a lot of this stuff, it's like, sometimes I can tell songwriting-wise, like what's more of an Adrian song and what you know what might be more of a Murray song. But as far as solos, a lot of times I don't know. I was just curious. Okay, through the video. But, uh, but yeah, Twilight Zone, amazing. And I, I think it should have been on the album. I think they, they made a mistake there. Uh, you know, just like we talked about in the previous episode, Sanctuary wasn't on, you know, the original pressing of Iron Maiden. Which I gotta you, say, which I gotta say, um, I know you're talking, but I, I gotta say this. Unlike the Beatles albums, UK really dropped the ball with Iron Maiden albums. You think right. about it, man. I mean, because goddamn, the first time without Sanctuary, this album without Twilight Zone, it is missing a very important piece, both these albums. Right. But like in the Beatles, you're absolutely right, the UK versions. And the same with the early Stones records. The UK versions were always superior. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, 
you know, and I, I think with the Beatles and the Stones, it was a case of the American versions were always more, it was more commercial, you know, and, and, and the UK versions were more artistic. But, you know, I can't see any good reason why these were left off. The only thing I can think of is in some of these cases, the uh, you know, especially in metal bands of this time, the UK release came out first. So maybe they, they just, you know, it was an oversight. But, uh, yeah, you definitely want Twilight Zone on this record. What do you think, Greg Barnes? Oh, Twilight Zone. Uh, it's my favorite song on Killers. Wow. Uh, yeah, I... It, it is my favorite. I, I love that melody. It's it's such a catchy riff. And, yeah, and I consider this song to be Paul Diano's best vocal performance in Maiden on a studio performance. It's just, it's just, it's so good. It's a very demanding vocal. And, you know, the, the, the screams in the middle are awesome. And, the you know, the, the chorus is awesome. And... You know, as great as he's saying on on the previous album, you know this album, this song in particular, just really shows you how, you know, how he naturally developed as a singer. Because here the highs are easier. The that the can you see me is sung right at that that tenor C. <laughs> yeah, that 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 had that, that falsetto was awesome. And it's just, it's just, it's so good. And it's like, I can't see, I mean, he's saying great on the previous album, no doubt, but this album, it's like, yeah, he stepped it up. It's like, wow, that's great. And, you know, I love Twilight Zone, everything about it. It's an awesome tune. My favorite track on Killers. And yeah, why it was left off uh, earlier pressings, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone stole Dial's drugs, but I don't know. But, but still. It's a crime not to have Twilight Zone on Killers. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, I'll take the next one, which happens to be uh, probably my favorite Iron Maiden song of all time. Definitely. You you said you think his best vocal was on Twilight Zone. I disagree. I think uh, Paul Daniels' best vocal is on this song, Prodigal Son absolutely amazing epic i mean this is you know th this is branching out without selling out and oh my god you know when you hear you know paul singing this register you know the devil's got a hold of my soul it's driving me mad you know that oh my god and then the oh fuck that is uh, this is by far his best vocal performance and it's it, it, like one time I posted this on my Facebook page and I was so like impressed by how many people liked it and these are friends of mine that, that I've known since childhood so I know what their musical tastes are like one dude was a deadhead didn't listen to fucking metal and he checked it I was like oh that's amazing you know this is something that just transgresses Maiden it's it's just a, a perfect fucking song that that is beautiful and heavy at the same time, and they they've never ever recaptured this. I I think in any song they did, nothing has ever come as close to being as beautiful uh, with still being heavy as Prodigal Son, and just shows why they really ruled the new wave of British heavy metal. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many great bands. You know, if you want to include Motorhead in on it, you know, with Saxon, Angel Witch, all, all those bands, all incredible in their own right. None of them put out anything that I ever heard, like Prodigal Son, uh, especially on an album this heavy. You know, oh man, it just it fits perfect and comes out of nowhere. Like this is the last thing you expect. You know, if you listen to all the previous tracks. You do not see this coming at all. And then here it is in its majestic fucking glory. And, oh, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, it's a perfect song. And, yeah, probably my favorite Iron Maiden song of all time. Absolutely love it. What do you think, Ralph? Mind fucking blowing is the best way to describe this song. A song that sounds like no other Iron Maiden song with Deanna or Dickinson. It's so rich in texture. It's so catchy. It's it's a gorgeous song, but just a bit too strong to categorize as a ballad. This is Prague sounding without trying to be Prague, unlike later Maiden. It does have some mellow sections like that solo, but to be wedged in the middle of all that musical brilliance in this song, it's still too tough to call to to be ballady. This would be the closest song that would fit Bruce's vocals, but I still don't think he could match how amazing Paul delivers on this. Now, I would agree with you, Ian, that it is the greatest Paul Diano vocal, and I will agree with you as far as a full song. Yes, this is Paul Diano at his absolute best. But I will still have to say that little section in Charlotte the Harlot is my favorite Paul Diano vocal. But as a whole song, no, this, this is it. Paul Diano shines. This is another reason why fuck you, Bruce Dickinson fans that think that Bruce is a better singer. Well, no, not fuck you. I just disagree. I, 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 I respectfully disagree. No, but, fuck him. Fuck him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck him. No need to be polite here. Hey, this hey. is Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Dude, are you, are you talking to me or Greg? Because Greg will fuck him. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> But, uh, oh my God, Prodigal Son. Yes, and you know what, Ian? I also posted this on my page, uh, I remember once, and it got raving reviews from from a lot of people. But you know what? I, I honestly do believe people that don't like Deano, which believe me, I know a few. I used to fucking, uh, I used to be in a warehouse next to these people that thought that their favorite band was Iron Maiden, and they didn't like Deano. And we would fight over and over again. And, 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 and oh, and, and all of them had the same favorite song. And you guys probably like the song. I think it's terrible. They all thought the best Maiden song ever was Infinite Dreams. It's like, come on, give me a uh, I, I love Infinite Dreams, but compared to this, is Night and Day. I mean, seriously, all you fucking Seventh Son fucking fanboy uh, girly men. Going from this album... You know, to fucking Seventh Son is like going from fucking Rain of Blood to fucking Invisible Touch by Genesis. I, I mean, it's not even the same fucking band to me. Yep. And and I, I don't hate Seventh Son rather as much as you, but it's definitely, uh, you know, as time goes on, you really see, you know, time pulls back the curtain on how lackluster that album really is and overrated. Uh this is pure fucking metal. But a song like this, 
is so amazing, and I've seen some other people, like, uh, Greg, I know you're one of those who you can, like, dissect somebody's voice, like, oh, they can do, uh, five octaves on a sharp C, you know, with a lemon twist. I don't know fucking octaves and shit like that. All I know is that where Paul Diano takes this song, Bruce Dickinson could not take this song, and I love Bruce's voice. I acknowledge the genius of, of his voice, but to you know, people make it sound like fucking Paul just you know has this. He's just rough and gruff. No, there's, that's not. That's totally false. Right, right. But there's a lot of people who say that. A lot of you know Dickinson nut swingers. Yeah, uh, like I love Bruce, but like, come on. I mean, I'm not completely deaf. Right, but I mean, this is one of those that shows he has just as much range it's just a in a different level and and bruce even at his best i don't think could sing this song better than deano sings it i really don't no me neither but but i would say this would be probably the one that bruce would sound the best at maybe i don't yeah. know maybe as the yeah, jury's out he, he i don't think he could better it though. no 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 way he can better it but this is probably the, the one song out of all the deano stuff that would be more in his level than any and, other one, but no, not as good as piano. I, I do remember reading somewhere that uh, uh, that Dickinson brought this up as one he would like to do, uh, and I believe this is when they were doing that first kind of uh, whatever you want to call it, the uh, uh, I guess novelty tour, or like uh, you know when they did just songs off the first you know uh, the first album through Peace of Mind. Yeah, yeah, I saw that the, tour. Back the in 2005 time. one? Yeah, I wish I would have seen that one, and I've got a great bootleg of it. But uh, this is one that Bruce talked about he would have loved to do, but for whatever reason, I don't know, the rest of the band couldn't agree on it, or maybe they tried it and realized, like, nah. No, I don't think it know? would work live, because you you know what makes this song so killer is that, that it's kind of deep in the mix, but it does add a lot to it is the acoustic, you know? It's got that killer acoustic, that thing, did, 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 yeah, did, did, but, did, you know. Right, but they've done they've done acoustic live. They did, uh, uh, you know, on, on the Dance Death tour when they did the Journeyman. That was all acoustic. So they've done that live. But uh, you know, I, I, I think either somebody put their foot down. Or they just try to, like, let's not embarrass ourselves. We can't do this, you know? Yeah, there's some songs. Uh, it's like, epic. like I'll do, uh, Greg, uh, have well, you talked about it yet? Let me just say this. Uh, a good example, uh, Touch Too Much, my favorite ACDC song, uh, which I don't think they ever did with Bond Live. I know there's footage of Bond doing it, but singing along to it, like lip syncing on a TV show. Right. But, man, when Axl Rose did it live, I mean, Axl Rose sang it great, but for some reason, the the band did not capture the greatness, especially those backing vocals. Touch too much. It, it just didn't work live. And that's why it was dropped from the set list. But it's, it, it's, I think Prodigal Son would probably be the same thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, this was never played live, was it? I don't believe so. I don't think it has. I mean, Greg, out of all those bootlegs, none of it, it's not a, none of them. Uh, no, I, no, it was never played live at all, no. And I can understand, because this is definitely a studio recording. But I love that, dude. It doesn't take away, oh, just because they can't play it live. No, no, man. This song right here would probably be tied for my favorite song on the album. My, my, uh, tied with something we haven't talked about. 
Nice. Ooh. Nice. Well, Gre Greg, have you talked about Prodigal Son yet? No, I just love hearing you two talk. Um, but, yeah. As <laughs> I get off on that. Here's the thing. Prodigal Son is is definitely... I agree with uh, I agree with both of you. This is probably the most un-Iron Maiden song ever because it doesn't sound like them at, at all. It, to be honest, when I first heard it, I get actually, you know, it sounds a little Zeppelin-y, but I actually get vibes of the Who, to be honest. Like, a little well, bit yeah, like a you got you got your pinball wizard type truck structure uh, guitar, like ding, 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 you know, yeah, the way that the pinball wizard starts. Yeah, that's what that's reminding me, reminding me of you know late '60s, early '70s Who with like, you know, and then pinball wizard was song I thought I was like, are they like channeling the Who here? Because I'm like, this is not doesn't sound like Maiden, but it sounds great because. They're trying something different, you know. They're they're experimenting. Acoustic guitars and you know mellow sections. It, you know, it's they're doing something drastically different. And, and I agree um, that you won't find this on you know later Maiden stuff. And I'm not taking anything away from you know the stuff later on. But I'm just saying you won't find a drastic departure. You know, like like this song on any of the future Maiden albums, and it's experimental, but it's an awesome song. And yeah, I I think Paul sounds awesome. It's you know it shows you know the different sides of his voice. He's singing it very differently than you know even on like the stuff where he normally has like a softer, cleaner tone. Like Remember Tomorrow, you know, it sounds different here. You know, it's more mellow. It's softer. It's you know, it's such a dynamic vocal performance. It almost doesn't sound like Diano, you know, in the beginning. It honestly sounds a little bit like Paul McCartney-esque in some ways, you know, with the softness and the like, the almost gentle tone. But, you know, later on you'll know it's him because he, you know, amps up the intensity and, you know, get, you know increases his power. But it's just so unlike Paul to do a song like this. I'm like, whoa, what is this? But it's it's such a it's I it is one of his best vocal performances because of the diversity of his tone, and and yeah that's why that's what the one of the reasons why I think Paul is underrated because back in his prime he could do different shades of his voice he could do the you know the huskier you know stuff that's you know more his style that is more familiar but then you got the cleaner stuff the softer stuff he'll switch it. That, that style and tone in the middle of songs it's like wow we pulled that out and and it's great it, you know he's he's definitely someone that you know is underrated and I, and I love his voice and you know about the whole range thing and the whole you know octaves and notes you know the thing is his range is a lot bigger as a whole than what one might might expect you know, and it's like, yeah, he does get some good highs and stuff. And, and, you know, if you were to compare it side by side with Bruce, the ranges are not the same, but they're a lot closer to than what people say. Because, no, no, the guy did have an impressive high end back in the day. And he had good control of his stuff. I mean, totally it's different. It's, you know, because Bruce is connected from chest mix head voice up to about the F above tenor C. Uh, Paul's is about uh, about a major third lower 
and but he can still go high up just with a different tone falsetto but the thing is the range is a lot closer than what people think and you know it's like come on give Deano a chance he's not Bruce but then again Bruce couldn't pull off the Deano stuff as convincingly because he's a totally fucking different singer it's nothing to do with technical shit but it, it's just about the tone you know the delivery the emotion the, the subjectiveness of it and I love Paul on this um on the on this material because it's he's the best singer for the job it's not who's the best singer overall it's who's the best singer for this and I'm sorry, I love Bruce, but if I, you know, Paul wins. I'm sorry for this early stuff. Just like yeah, Ozzy, do you think Dio could do a better job on Symptom of the Universe? Well, in, in terms, look, look, in no, terms of him fitting, no. fitting the song, Ozzy wins. But, but you know, Dio, you know, is a better singer overall on his own. Like, in terms of if you compare side by side, but... You take the best Sabbath singer for the be- for the classic material. It's Ozzy, and that's the point. And that's the point I'm making. I gotta say, the Black Sabbath with, Paul, with Ronnie James Dio is just perfection. It is perfect. Like you look, you look at those two albums, and you know, even to a, a larger extent, the Humanizer. It's perfect. It's perfect music, it's catchy, it has aged so well, it's just perfect. But, it's not Black Sabbath to me, man. It's heavy it, it, it's, it, it's, it's It's more melodic than it is metal. Yeah, like 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 uh, Iron Maiden, though. You know, right. I mean, Iron Maiden's maybe a little more metal than, uh, than D.O. Sabbath, but it's not, it's not Iron Maiden from the first two albums, dude. You know? And right. it's a shame how, look, this song we're talking about right now, Prodigal Son. Dude, can Iron Maiden play down a song more than this song? I mean, this is a song that never, like, it, it really is a hidden gem. It's underrated. And a lot of people don't know about this song because everybody thinks of Dickinson. And when, you know, but and, and when you think of Deanna, you think of Ratchel running free and stuff like that. But this song is so hidden that... Really, only diehards talk about this fucking song. You know? It's just... As, what, as Greg would say, it's like Elton John's burned down the mission. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but it's like, the song is so... And, and the thing is, the song is so different, you know, for Maiden standards, but it's so good and it's so unique. And, and you know, you two know Maiden much more than me, so I, question to ask you both. Can you find any song they've done after this that is such a huge departure from the classic sound? Uh, no, but I can say the intro to Moonchild is different than anything Maiden's done to start an album. I'd say that's the only departure, close departure, you know, after that. Oh yeah, fair enough, yeah. You know, that's, I, that's, I'm just saying it's a full song. You know, no, no. But you know, it is different. A Moonchild is a different type of sounding uh, Maiden song, but... But no, not nowhere near as, as drastic as Prodigal Son. But the thing about Prodigal Son, it's like, this whole album is so metal, but that song is not metal. It's not a metal song. But yet, no. it's intense, and, and, it's, and it's richness, it's texture. It's, it, it's like a musical masterpiece. It's, it's something that, you know, like a Beethoven type thing. It's just music. It, it's almost like ABBA. So this should be your favorite fucking album. 
damn it. My, uh, my, my, one spitting wise tie, Whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah, and then one more point. I um, love you, Ian. I love you, Ralph. You notice, you know, I, I, I got mad at you a little later, but I still love you. You know why? Because I'm fucking tank. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Wait, where, where is it? Where, oh, wait, wait. I need, wait, hold on. Hold on. Got, hey, Greg, I said hold on. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Thank you. Yeah! Hell's bells! <laughs> yeah, oh, and then, and then oh, one more quick point. One more quick point about piles. Um, About them playing it live now, it's like, it'd be cool to hear and stuff, but, you know, I, I agree that um, it, it's not going to come close even close to capturing the magic of the record and, and I would hate to say this because in no way I'm a huge fan I'm a I'm a casual fan but you know what band would really do this song Justice Live fucking Dream Theater Dream I, Theater oh I, my god I, I was like I wonder if he's gonna say Dream Theater <laughs> I, what, wouldn't they wouldn't they cause Dream Theater I think so Dream Theater are so amazing at doing those like they've done Number of the Beast live they've done Dark Side of the Moon what else did they do live I think they did some Queen now. They did, they uh, did Master of Puppets. They did Machine Head. Or no, I'm sorry. They did Live in Japan. They and all Live those things Japan. they do justice to. And I think they yeah. do have the chops where I... Hey, man, nothing against Iron Maiden, bro. But I don't think Iron Maiden has the chops to do this shit live. And, and also, the, the thing with Dream Theater is they have the anal retentiveness that, that like, if they couldn't do it flawlessly, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. But I, I honestly think they could. And I, I actually think James' voice would be good on this. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I think it would suit it. Yeah. yeah. It would, I would love to hear it. You know what, man? It's, if you threw this at them, they'd probably do it if, you know, you had any influence on them. They'd be, they'd okay. be all over it. I bet you anything they're big fans of this song. Oh, yeah. I mean, huge. I mean, I mean, I don't know now without Portnoy in the band, but if Portnoy was in there, they'd definitely do it. Yeah. All right, so uh, that it's really cool how we really talked about this one the most. It needed to be talked about. It need it really does need to be. I mean, I hope, dude, it'd be so cool. People listening are like, oh, I'm not really. Let me hear that, because, dude, I, and you know what? It's like, dude, it's like if you put this up, say, hey, if you don't like heavy metal and you don't like Iron Maiden, please click on this, and people would go like, wow, like kind of like like the people that hate Kiss. I've had a lot of people go. All right, War Machine. Okay, that is a good song. You know, uh, I think. Or, or people that, huh? People that don't like Sabbath, and you play Air Dance. You know, they're like, whoa. I yeah. love Air Dance. That that is that's actually my favorite song off that album. Yeah, it's I my, love it. It's my second favorite, and I'll be honest with you, man. I didn't even like Side Two as a kid, and now it's like, God, Air Dance is so amazing. And it's it's, it's definitely. So good. You know, and, and what we were saying earlier, uh, I don't. Uh, my favorite Sabbath is like Volume Four, but it switches here and there. But it's never, never say die. But never say die is the one I listen to the most. But you know, and right. and it's just something magical that I compiled uh, on my Eternal Idols YouTube channel. I compiled the top 50 greatest Black Sabbath songs according to me, and I'm talking about only 70s Sabbath. And Air Dance and Junior, Air Dance and Junior's Eyes both made on my, my top 10. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's also important because we have listeners, you know, our hardcore listeners listen no matter what 
album review. And, you know, uh, you know, Ralph, I mean, we both got response like, hey, uh, I really wasn't into this band, but you guys always make every episode so good. Uh, you know, your passion for that made me check this out. And I love shit like that. So hopefully there's somebody out there who's like, hey, I'm not a big Maiden fan or I'm, I'm not a big Deano fan. But because of how we talked about this song, checks it out and maybe it'll open up to a, you know, a whole new respect for Maiden for the Deano era. That would be incredible. You know, and, that, that would be my goal. And also the people that love this song, listen to us, or, you know they're jacking off. You know, oh, so, yeah. something else I, I forgot to tell. Well, I, I, I just got this message the other day. We got a brand new fan of the podcast because we reviewed Just the Game by Triumph. Because really? this guy awesome. this guy is such a huge Triumph fan and a huge fan of that album that he discovered us by looking for whatever of Triumph. And he found that review and he said he heard that review. He was so impressed that we talked about that album because nobody does that he ended up getting into our podcast and checked out all our other episodes. He's a big fan of ours now because of our Triumph Just a Game. And that's another song. I mean, I know Ian is not a big fan. He likes a couple songs, but he's not a big fan of that album. But but he did it, you know, just like I did whatever. I, I did that Rolling Stones with you. And, but I ended up liking it more than Just a Game. You like Just a Game. But uh, the fact that we do something that not a lot of people are aware of, but the people that are aware of it, they become like, we become like kindred right. spirits, you know? No, and what, what's so awesome is uh, I believe, like, to date, that has been our least, you know, popular episode. But just by knowing that we reached out to one person because yeah. of that, and now he's a fan of the show, it makes it all worthwhile. And, you know, I've said it before, we're going to keep doing shit like that, and we're going to keep doing off-the-wall shit. And it doesn't matter if I love it that much or Ralph loves it that much. As long as one of us uh, sees something and we both have a mutual respect for the band, we're going to do stuff like that. And that that could make me so happy because that episode really bombed. But just knowing that we create a new fan just through that makes me want to do more obscure shit and, all the fucking more. And, I love and, and, and despite the numbers, it makes that episode a success. Oh, yeah. Hell, hell yeah. I totally agree. Totally uh, Greg, agree. Greg, are you aware of that album? That Rolling Stones album? No, uh, Triumph Just the Game. I've heard of it. I've I think to... I think that album is more your speed. Let's listen to that album because you like like that uh, kind of proggy stuff and with great. You want to talk about great vocals? Check out that album. I think I, I, I end up loving it. Uh, have, check have out the title heard, track. Have you you haven't heard that episode, Greg? I I've heard the episode, but I haven't oh. I haven't gotten the I don't have the album. But maybe I should. Despite despite what Ian says, give, give the title track a listen. I think you'll end up loving that song. Okay. Uh, it, it, it. I mean, I know Ian won't agree, but it does have kind of like that prodigal son structure to it. You know, it's it's rich in texture and it's amazing vocals and whatever. So uh, I don't want to end this discussion on prodigal son, but let's go to the next one. Okay. Uh, you all take it, whoever wants to. Uh, what, what trying is it? Because there's various versions. Is per, it Purgatory? Per, per, Purgatory. Oh, okay. All right, Purgatory. This is my second favorite off of Killers. And wow. What a song. It starts with that, that killer riff. 
Yes! And it's so, it's fast, it's furious, it has like a, a bit of the, uh, you know, the street, you know, punkish kind of attitude to it, and it's so heavy, it's awesome, and, and again, it's another shining Paul Diano vocal, you know, on this album, it, it's so good. Please My, take me away! Yeah, yeah it's, it, it, this song is so deceptively hard to sing, because it's just like, you know, you ha you have to hit you know uh, you know the please note on, on on a close E vowel, and it's just so hard to do. And Diano does a great listen great to this guy, Ian. And it, I, look, look, I say that again. It, what was that? What was that? Say that again. The, e, uh, e vowel. What was it? The the close E on please, <laughs> the long E, and it's just like it's a very hard vowel to do like higher notes on. And it's and Paul does a great job on it. Take and, that, Dickinson. Oh, oh yeah, Dickinson's great. It's all right. But we're talking about Diano here. But um, <laughs> but I love Purgatory. My favorite part of the song is about a minute fourteen into it, where the the, the more distorted guitars you know fade off and it goes into the cleaner guitar playing, and then you hear Clive's awesome drumming over it, the bass, and then Paul goes into the please take me away part. And then, and then goes into that that ridiculously awesome high scream, that that you know high D above the tenor C goes to the F. Oh, that's I can't <laughs> I can't see Diano doing this on the first album. I can't you know? see you doing that with a dick in your mouth. I mean, I tried, but I've gone flat. But still, the song the song is just so good. I love it. Second favorite off the song, despite the fact that dicks can't help me hit those high notes as well as Paul. But still. Great fucking song. It's purgatory. How about you, Ralph? Uh, is there a faster Maiden song? I don't know. Is there? I mean, uh, I, I don't think so. I, I, this, I'm this... not. I'm not a fan of Invader, but I say that's probably as fast. Maybe. I don't know. But purgatory is the fastest Maiden song I think. Everything about this fucking pissed off track, it's face breaking metal is the best way to describe this song. It's insanity. The, then then a, a bit of a breath catching with that please take me away, you know, you catch your breath a little bit with that section, but then it's another punch in the gut and back to face breaking metal. I would say my favorite track along with uh, Prodigal Son, and it's a song that my original drummer champion for us to learn, Thrash or Die, we wanted to cover this song, but it never happened. But I will say, man, unless, you know, I get either hit by a, a bus or get really drunk and fuck Greg Barnes and die, I will cover this song eventually. I don't give a fuck if I can't do it as well as Deano. I probably can't. I definitely can't. But I'll do it Dr. Fuck-wise. You know, what's what's the part where the vowel, tell me, what is that part? Uh, I, on the please, it's a, it's a long E done closed, so it's really hard to do. Where, where he says please? Yeah, the plea, like where he goes up. Please, it, 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 take me away, take me away, so far away! See, I do it that way. Yeah, the Dr. Fuck way, it works. Oh, thank you. See, I'll do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, I don't know when or how, but God damn it. I will refuse to cover a Maiden song unless it's this one. Then I'll do whatever Maiden song afterwards. But uh, there actually is footage of me doing Phantom of the Opera, where my band knew how to do it until the, please keep your distance, walk away, don't take away. After that part, the band didn't know how to play the rest. 
But uh, there is actual footage of me singing that song. Uh, but Purgatory, yes, man. Uh, it is a little, it is a little faster than Invaders, and it's a much better song. Yeah, it's it, dude. It makes so much sense. It's it's really Iron Maiden at at its most vicious, cutthroat, face breaking, net breaking, fucking amazing speed on this fucking song. It's just. It's fucking incredible. Purgatory. What a fucking song, Ian. Uh, I fucking love it. To me, this song is fucking thrash. I, I, I mean, until you get to the please take me away, you know, before that, Whoa, it's fucking... I think, I think it's Ian fuck, sings it better than me. It's fucking... Nah, it's, it's fucking Rolling thrash. Rolling tenor, so... It, 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 it's, <laughs> it's, it's so fucking heavy, I can see why this is your second favorite Maiden album, Ralph. Because this is just fucking thrash. Yeah. And I just, I just love knowing that fucking Greg Barnes is into this shit. Because by the time we're done with you, Greg, you're still going to be gay as the day is long. Oh, but that's not up for debate. Right, right, right. I'm saying, though, what I'm saying, though, I think we are going to turn you on to so much metal. You are going to switch from catching to pitching. Why? Wow. I, I, you're going to show up for one episode of Iron Cast, and you're just going to say, Hey, Mr. T, bend the fuck over. Give me some of that sweet man pussy. Yeah. You know? You know you Come here, boy. Me. Fuck me up in the ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's just gonna be like, Ah, 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 smashing pumpkins. Ow, ooh, ooh, I'm an instrument. Ah, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, pause a second. Iron Cast likes fucking, uh... Iron Cast likes that shit? The smashing pumpkins? Well, no, I... Mr. T's such a hipster, you know. He likes, that, he's like smashing pumpkins. Mr. That, that's like uh, Mr. T's alley. I hate them. Personally. Well, let me tell you something. To say Mr. T, since he's a smashing pumpkin fan, would be the catcher is not a stretch. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just saying that what you two have done to me, you know, has made me overall better. I mean, look, I started listening to more metal music because of, of, of your show and getting all this stuff. You helped me grow fucking hairs on my chest that I have never had before. I have more pubic hair than I've had two years ago because of listening to you guys turning me on to all this metal. It's made me better, not less gay, but more, a little bit more manly. But you know, it's still, you know, oh, it's a work in progress. But still, listening to this heavy metal stuff is better for me, it's making me just a tiny little bit more of a man. My dick grew three centimeters, and I mean, I still gotta use a magnifying glass, but still, it's an improvement, okay? So, yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, we, we're not trying to ungay you. We want you to be gay because that's more pussy for us. Yeah. It's true, because I want you two to have that, you know? <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, you gotta pull down Mr. T's legal briefs and just give him the high hard one. You know why? Why, why you're singing some fucking purgatory? You know? <laughs> Please take me away. Yeah, that's a good plan. Let me pitch that idea, no pun intended, to him, and then we'll—I'll discuss that at a legal meeting with him. You know about Iron. Yeah, because I, I, I know I know you guys do like a theme month, so maybe for anal April, you know, you could <laughs> really fucking you know hard and just stick it to Mr. T. And I, hey, I love Mr. T. Take one for the team, because your little boy just became a man. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm trying here. I'm trying. 
All right. Uh, yeah, Purgatory. Uh, to, to me, prototype thrash. I absolutely love it. Uh, Greg, what do you think of the album Closer, The Drifter? Or just Drifter? Drifter. I, I love it. And, you know, it's a, you know, it sounds like a song that meant to close an album with, like, the, you know, it's like, a, it, it fits the end of a show, you know, where, where you have the riff and you can have, you know, you can extend that song out. And it's a great song, but, you know, believe it or not, I may get some flag for this, but out of all these tracks on Killers, it's my least favorite. And But I still like it. You know, no bad tunes on this album. But still, if I had to pick a song that I would put, you know, in a lower tier, it would be that one. But it's still a good song. And, you know, and, and again, and you know, even though I put it in a lower tier, I still prefer this song to uh, the Iron Maiden title track on the previous album. How about you, Ian? Um, well, you, you hit on something that, that I do agree on. I, I agree and disagree with you. Uh, I think it's set up for a perfect album closer. It does sound like that, and it's a great way to send the album off. Uh, there's something about this song, though, I, I, I really love it. He's like, gonna cuddle up with you tonight, gonna get you feeling so secure. I fucking love that shit. Uh, Won't you sing it, sing it, sing it all night long. And the, and the way it fucking just fades out. To me, uh, you, you know, I've said this a million times on the show. I love a track that leaves you wanting more. And to me, this sounds like, you know, like what it is, a coda on the album where, like, as soon as it's done, you either want to start it from, you know, right again at Ides of March, or you want to go right into uh, uh, Number of the Beast. You know what I mean? It's just like a perfect yeah. segue into repeating or to going on to the next one. And uh, I, I, I love Drifter. Uh, I, I can see what you say out of all of them. Uh, yeah, it probably would be my least favorite, but that's like saying it's the worst blowjob. It, it still made me come. I still love it. And I, I think out of all the songs on this album, you couldn't pick a better closer. I love Drifter. What do you think, Ralph? No letting up, keeping it heavy and fast. Love the fuck out of this song. A staple that would end their set back then. Uh, I, I, again, I would sound like I'm repeating myself by talking how sporadic and pissed off the band and attitude is all over this song. So, uh, it's, it's just like this album. It's just, and it has a lot of amazing changes. And it's a great fucking song. It's an awesome ending. And yes, I will agree with both of you. It's my least favorite on here, but it's still fucking great. And that's, Again, shows the greatness of this album that your least favorite song is it's like it's a better song than anything on fucking Seven Sun. Thank you. <laughs> and let I, me and let me just say, okay. All right. Uh, let me just say this. I love Booster. Okay? I think what he did with Iron Maiden was great. The first five albums. Um I'm not a hater of Bruce Dickinson. I just do have a bit of uh, a chip on my shoulder. I guess you can say I have a bit of jealousy over people that like Bruce Dickinson over Viano because they they outnumber me so much, you know. And it kind of like upsets me to a jealousy flawed. I'm a flawed individual, so whatever you guys like get upset with me, just remember I am uh, just a jealous fuck that loves Viano so much that I kind of get upset 
that he gets overlooked by Bruce Dickinson that I don't think is as good, but I do love Bruce Dickinson. So I just want to say that. And I love, you know, uh, Accident at Birth and fucking uh, Chemical Wedding. You know, I love the first five Maiden albums. I think Bruce Dickinson's a hell of a singer, a hell of a performer. He's fucking great. He's just no Deano to me, that's all. Yeah, because 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 yeah. you relate with Deano more, and and that that's that's fine. And like, I don't have a problem with that. And what pisses me off uh, about you know you know bands and their fan base because I I've, I've been a part of this. I will freely admit this that I've been I've been caught in shit storms on you know you know Facebook uh, not so much Facebook more YouTube you know Freddie Mercury. It's my absolute favorite singer, and you know I put the bootlegs of Queen up there, and I talk about the performances, you know, yada yada yada, and boring shit no one cares about. But I just write it because it's fun, and then people get pissed at me because I said something like, "Oh, Freddie had an off night, or uh, the performance was not as good as this," and and it's like I'm not hating the guy at all. I'm just honestly telling you what I think of that performance, and. The same thing with, you know, preferring singers over this or albums over this. There's there's no reason to hate somebody over that. And it's like, if you're a part of a, of a fan base, whether a certain era more or an album, it's like, you have the right to say, hey, I love this album more. I prefer this singer. You, you shouldn't be. Unless we're talking about, unless we're talking about Van Halen. That's a different story. But I'm saying yes. everything else besides that. You know, I don't think someone should be, ra- you know, razzed or hated because they prefer a different, like, singer or an album because, you know, music is such a subjective art. And, and you know, like, for example, you know, Seven Son. I personally like Seven Son a lot. I know Ralph hates that album. I like but- Moonchild in the title track. Okay, yeah, I know those two songs. As a whole, you don't like that album at all. Yeah. And, but here's the thing. I don't give Ralph shit over that. He doesn't give me shit. That for me liking it and it's like it's okay it's like people you can hate an album and you shouldn't be you know yeah, you, you know you know luke innes actually prefers the adam lambert uh version of queen to freddie mercury is that true i i don't think so don't but, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like it's like come on i've, I've done a podcast with luke and it's like like, you know, he's London's greatest bear, but if I ever find out that he ever said something like that, uh, he's hey, like, I, I, I just had to mention Luke. I bu- I busted Mr. T's balls. I had to bring up Luke. How you doing, Luke? I don't think Luke li- likes me too much. I've heard. Oh, I, everyone likes you. I mean, I just love you more. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Oh, lucky me. Yeah, lucky you. Um, But yeah, it's... No, it's I love like, you, Greg, dude. I love you. I really do. Not only not only because I think you're a really great uh, person on the show and I like uh, your insight and stuff, even though you babble a little too much, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you also bring in that element of of uh, of us losing a bunch of homophobe fans, and I thank you so much for that. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm just doing my job, and it comes very naturally to to me to do that. And yes, I do babble a lot, but you know, it's like the thing is. My mouth muscles are very, very, I should say, developed. A lot of practice. A lot of practice. And, you know, that factors into my figure of speech and talk patterns and everything. 
It's like sometimes I just can't shut the fuck up. So there you go. Yeah. Um, like go now. ahead. Like, like now. Absolutely, and I'll pass off to someone else. All right. Uh, All right. Well, we're done, right? Well, yes. It was released February second, nineteen eighty-one. Seven days uh, before my birthday. The the first album with Martin Birch, who would go on to produce every album after this through. Uh, no Prayer for the Dying. Or no, actually, Through Fear of the Dark. Uh, he co-produced that with uh, Steve Harris. Uh, two singles were released from this. Oddly enough, uh, Twilight Zone, which wasn't on the UK. And the second single was Purgatory. Which is my uh, Yes, and Purgatory, uh, at that time, was the, the, you know their worst single. It didn't crack the top 40. All the other ones did, and uh, another note I forgot to bring up while we were talking about the song is the the cover work for the Purgatory single was actually the cover and number for the Beast. And uh, Rod Smallwood, their manager, said, "No, no, no, no. This this is too good. We're saving this for the next album." So they made Derek Riggs go back and create a new version, which is the one everybody knows and loves from the single, which is half Devil Face, half. Uh, Eddie's face. I prefer that cover. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's better for the single. And again, you know, Number of the Beast is so iconic. Um, I don't like yeah, that cover too much, believe it or not. The Number of the Beast one? I don't hate it, but um, I, 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 I'll I, pick a bunch of Made in Album covers before that one. I'd agree, yeah. Uh, I, I, I love it. But uh, this album has gone gold in the U.S., gold in the U.K., gold in Sweden, gold in Germany, gold in France, and platinum in Canada. And, and Greg, big fan of golden shells. That's right. Also, there's um, there's something else about this yes. album. Uh, I've made it to number 78. Okay. Yeah, you, you broke up. I didn't yeah, you were breaking up because something was mentioned to me, and then it broke up. What did you say? Uh, no, Greg said he was going to mention something, and then it went dead. Okay, good. I was about to say I love this album. All right, cool. So do I. Oh. All right. Well, that is our, uh, you know, not with without doing uh, Made in Japan, that is the Deano years. And now it's time to go into Pick of the Week. And Greg, since you are a guest, what is your Pick of the Week? Uh, my Pick of the Week is, is an album by a band that I love dearly. And their, their name has Queen in it, but it's not the Queen, but it is Queen's Reich. And it is an album that is my, it's my second favorite album by theirs. It's the 1986 masterpiece, Rage for Order. Great album. We reviewed I, it. I know, and I nice. love that episode. That's a great album. I love it. It has one of my all-time favorite Queensryche tracks on it, I Will Remember. Yes. That Beautiful. is, oh, Beautiful such song. an amazing song. Maybe yes. cry. I love it. Yes, all, all our listeners who haven't heard that, listen to it, because not only is it a great review, but we talk about what makes us cry. Yeah, and, and just so you all know, it's during I, I Remember. That's when the crying uh, uh, speech happened. 
Great pick, Greg. Ralph, what's your pick of the week? 1984. No, no, 1983. <laughs> <laughs> Oz, Fire in the Brain. Obscure band. Uh, I fucking love this album. Searchlight. A megalomaniac black candles title track what an amazing fucking total uh, underground you know it's very only the hardcores know about this shit iconic album cover which uh, I had a hard time doing melting your skull because I wanted melting your skull to kind of look like that album cover but uh, we ended up doing it differently because of the genius of Chris Caligula Lacerus came up with the idea that you see now and he actually made that album cover but Oz Fire in the Brain is my pick of the week. It's a great metal album, and I suggest everybody go check it out. Nice. I, I need to check that. I know of the band, but I've never heard of them. Uh, to, to describe them to somebody who doesn't know, uh, what kind of metal is it? New wave of British heavy metal-ish, yes. Okay, cool. Very cool. Angel, angel Witch-ish, a little bit. Right on. A little bit. All right. Well, I will definitely check that out. Um, check my out that pick album. Of the week, I w- will do. My pick of the week this week comes from Crowbar, and it is their phenomenal Odd Fellows Rest. Um, great Crowbar album, of course. The one everybody knows is Planets Collide. An amazing track, but there's much more to this album. Uh, and Suffers One, Thousand Years Eternal War. Uh, Behind the Black Horizon, the title track. Uh, And what I really love is the way they end it with an Iron Maiden cover. Uh, And they do Remember Tomorrow. That is like so sludge, so powerful. Uh, I remember remember drinking with with Kirk one night uh, at a bar here called The Rendon right before a show. Uh, We got him drunk. Uh, me and my buddy Matt Pasenka got him drunk before he even went on stage and uh, we were checking out he has Iron Maiden Killers tattooed on his calf nice, my friend has it on his arm by the way, go ahead, holy George it's an amazing tattoo but it was so funny like oh what's wrong with it and he had an accident changing a spare tire and something happened and it was all bruised up but it was like still it was like hey that's cool but, uh, yeah, definitely check out Crowbar. They got a new album out called The Serpent uh, Always Lies, uh, which I I can't wait to hear. But Oddfellows Rest, uh, a great place. I think if you don't know Crowbar, uh, this would be a great one to check out. Uh, cool lineup on that. They got Sammy from uh, Acid Bath was playing guitar at the time. Uh, Jimmy Bauer from Down and fucking a million other bands. I Hate God, Super Joint, uh, drumming on it. It's an amazing, amazing record. Sexy T on bass. Uh, definitely check it out. Oddfellows Rest by Crowbar. That is my pick of the week. Cool. I, uh, I know that name, Crowbar. It's a gay club in Detroit, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Iron Maiden covers, I forgot to mention that uh, there's a, a death metal band called uh, Angel Corpse. And if you're not into death metal, still check it out because they do a cover of Gignus Khan, which has no vocals. And it's, it's even faster. And it's really, really good. So check out Angel Corpse's version of Genghis Khan. You know, you know what I would, I would like, I would like to hear a death metal band that does an acapella cover of a song. You know, like some Bobby McFerrin shit, just Cookie Monster style. Or we'll be right back in a second. Prodigal Son. 
<laughs> I, I'd like to hear a death metal band do acapella, uh, Don't Worry Be Happy. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so, death metal bands, impress me. You could be on to something. Uh, all right, and now I want to do something different. Uh, we've done it before. I'd like to do it again by putting... Uh, our guest on the spot when it comes to fan of the week and Greg Barnes I know you are active on our Facebook page who is a, a, a fan on our page that you look forward to that you enjoy their posts uh, either so, uh, somebody that makes you laugh or somebody that like might have turned you on to a song and who somebody that, that you would like to put your chocolate in their peanut butter yeah there you go oh yeah <laughs> I, I, I walked in on chocolate and peanut butter. Like, All right, Greg, who would be your fan of the week? Ooh, my fan of the week. Oh, that's a that's a tough one because on me, I wasn't even thinking really. But um, yeah, I was going through the I was going through the page. Um, I'm here, you know. Oh, oh, I know. And it's like I want to nominate you you two so bad. I, I, I'm trying to think of a like a left fielder, but uh, as for um, as for fan of the week, um, I would have to give a shout out to someone who, you know, he messages me quite quite a bit, and I've sent him bootlegs of, of various bands, cool to talk to, and it's Mr. Joseph the Stop. Yes, Joseph Stop, who uh. did a great review of Combat, the Combat EP on YouTube. Thank you. Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, he did, and yeah, I gotta say he he, he is cool. Um, he, I ha- I had no idea he was gay. Oh, neither did okay. I. But it's, it, it almost makes him cooler. Well, no, you said you said you guys message a lot. And it's sad. It's sad to know that he just ended doing podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's like nah, he's he's cool, and I I sent him a bunch of like Queen stuff, Iron Maiden stuff, and and he helped. He actually helped me figure out the mystery behind the uh, the Maiden show and on the No Prayer tour for uh, the Wembley show because they they threw two nights together and they put it on a soundboard and it didn't label the tracks like what date it was and so he sent me a bunch of singles and then I figured out the dates on that and so he was he was a big help and I thank him for that. Yeah, no, jo- Joseph is a great guy. You know, initially we busted his balls because we thought he was Terrence. Uh, he, he's away at college now, but he still stops in, says in between his, his studies. He still keeps up with the show. And, uh, Joseph, you're, you're a great uh, great guy. You are a former fan of the week, and, and awesome that you are a second-time fan of the week. So, yeah, there you go. All right, cool. So uh, let's get into the plugs. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as Ultra Sexy Classic Album Series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. 
Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to EarPillar.com to find out what we're all about. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else. Whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. If you guys loved this week's episode, which I'm almost certain you did, please check us out next week where Sammy Hagar responds to a previously recorded episode about him being a liar. You can't not miss this episode. Please check it out. That's right. We will be reviewing Bless Art of Sick, Morbid Angel. That fucker's dead. Hopefully he'll be sick. (laughs) <laughs> that'll be blessing that'll be a blessing to us all right tune in next week where uh we won't have greg <laughs> yeah yeah because uh got because you know i gotta go to a pride event so you know I'm, i'll be out of town for a little bit shut up already got it <laughs> what the fuck do you got to be proud of who the fuck <laughs> told him he could do an outro i don't know <laughs> later Bye.